Welcome listeners to another episode of Listen, Learn, and Love, hosted by Richard Osler. In my home to do this podcast in person on a Sunday afternoon is my long-term friend, Tyler Shaw. Welcome to the podcast, Tyler. Thanks, Bishop. It's great to be with you again. Tyler's probably going to call me Bishop throughout this whole podcast, and when I see my former bishops, I call them bishops. I was Tyler's bishop in the YSA ward I've referred to so much um, over the years, learned so much from those YSAs, including Tyler. But as we looked at the calendar, I realized it was 10 years ago this weekend that I was called to serve in the Magna area and be the YSA bishop. And Tyler was already in that ward and was in that ward for the entire three years and was the tre- one of the tremendous leaders of our ward and just a dear friend. Um, Tyler emailed me you know, a month or two ago and said, Bishop, do you have any podcasts for um, people that are sort of unexpectedly not married? Tyler is now 34, and I think his 19-year-old self, as he left on his mission, would have thought, well, I will not be single at 34. And that's the reality of his life. And um, I said, Tyler, I don't have any podcasts like that, but would you be willing to come on the podcast and share your story? Tyler's a pretty private person, but he said, yeah, I will. And our joint hope and prayer is that this Tyler story will help you if you're sort of unexpectedly single later than you thought you'd be and how you're navigating that. Maybe your patriarchal blessing talks about marriage and a family and you're wondering when that's going to happen. And uh, maybe you're wanting to support somebody or you have a kid that's walking this road and our prayers, Tyler's story will help you. Tyler grew up in Magna, Utah, owns a home in Magna, Utah. I've been in that home, had some um, deeply spiritual experiences in that home. Um, He works for the church, um, and they send, as you know, the church sends stuff all over the world, and there's really smart people that work for the church that know how to send stuff all over the world. Um, And Tyler is in that area, and that's his core expertise is distribution and shipping with all the nuance and challenges of international shipping. Um, And Tyler was active as, Tyler was not active his whole life. He may share not being active before his mission um, to New Mexico. Um, When I met him, he had just come home from that mission a couple years ago and, and just had an incredible mission. He could probably do an entire podcast just about the experiences he had on his mission. And he's been um, an active member of the church ever since his mission. Um, So anyway, is that okay for an introduction, Tyler? Yeah, I think you nailed it. Really brave to do this. So I'll just kind of let you start where you want to start. You might start growing up in this period of time before your mission. Yeah, so I grew up, great family, blessed with a great mom and dad. Uh, Couldn't have asked for better parents, better family. Um, Grew up in the church, you know, active basically up until I was about 15 or 16. And then, you know, Sundays became an extra day to hang out with the friends, you know, maybe go boating, sleep over, do whatever. Never really any ill feelings of the, to the church. I was just lazy <laughs> and I wanted to hang out with my friends. <laughs> and so just through basically high school, um, I was inactive. I was kind of a hellion in high school, just very class clown, did stupid things to get reactions. Right. Um, and then, you know, graduated from high school and then that's when reality hits you and it's like, okay, like you're not in school anymore. It's time to grow up and live in the real world. Well, I I had started college at Salt Lake Community College. 
Um, and I just remember this one day I was, you know, I was an active at that time for four or five years, I think. A long time. Yeah. Like half your life almost. I know point. at that point it was. <laughs> and so I just remember I was getting ready for class one day and my body kind of went on fire. Every, I could feel every bone in my body and it just, this warmth and just this thought came to my mind, get your act together and go on a mission. And I don't know how long I was in that thought for. Um, but when I kind of realized what was going on, I was like, oh, Heavenly Father just told me to go on a mission. So immediately I called my mom and I was like, mom, guess what? I'm going on a mission. And she was like, what? You're not even going to church. I was like, I know, but Heavenly Father just told me to go on a mission. So I guess that's what I need to do. So anyways, I let my whole family know, um, went to church that first week for the first time in years, paid my tithing for the first time wow. ever, met with my bishop and said, hey, bishop, I'm ready to go on a mission. So um, over the course of the next year, um, I prepared and was called to the Albuquerque, New Mexico mission. Um, the mission was definitely for me. Um, I'm sure I helped a couple people along the way, but that was for me. And I'm so grateful that I had that experience. It set the foundation for my life. As imperfect as I am and as the mistakes I make every day, the anchor that the mission provided for me and the testimony and the relationship I was able to build with Heavenly Father and His Son, Jesus Christ, just laid the foundation. And so served a, a mission, um, worked my hardest, did the best I could to be a good missionary. Um, and then I got home, you know, uh, super solid for the first three or four years, you know, spiritual, um, and was hanging out with friends, my awesome friends. I couldn't have asked for a better friend group. Um, and then, you know, I, I wanted to continue to hang out with my friends and, you know, I had this plan that when I turned 25, that's when I'd get married, I'd be done having kids by the age of 30. And, you know, that was my, my plan that I had had. Um, and I think, you know, as I look back, you know, why didn't it happen? Because I had opportunities. So I'm no, I'm not a victim here. At, you know, I take full accountability for why I'm not married to, so I'm not blaming anybody. Um, but I just remember, I just loved hanging out with my friends, man. Like I didn't want things to change. And before I knew it, they were getting married and starting families. And then before you know it, um, I'm like one of the only ones not married. You know, and I'm in the YSA ward. Um, and then before I know it, I'm too old to be in the YSA ward. So I got kicked out for being old. No, I'm just kidding. They, you know, it's, you have to move on. And there's a reason and a purpose for that, which I understand. Um, but then, you know, never did I imagine I'd be 34 and single. And like I said, I, I did have opportunities uh, in my mid to late 20s. And, you know, there were times when I was feeling it and the girl wasn't feeling it and vice versa, where I, uh, I was feeling it, she wasn't feeling it. And so, you know, there's always that question, well, what's wrong with him? He's 34 and he's not married, you know, and, and I'm not blaming anybody for wondering that, but, um, it's, it's an interesting space to be in, um, because I never thought I'd be here because I wanted to be like running around and playing sports with my kids and stuff, you know, not, not being too old to be able to do that and keep up with them. Right. 
Um, but yeah, and I think that one of the toughest things for me to adjust in this new culture, especially at my age, is dating apps. Um, my experience with dating apps has been terrible. And I'm not casting shade at anybody, but it's it's interesting. And I'll give you I'll give you an example. So, you know, you have these dating apps, you set up a profile, pictures, interests, all that stuff, right? And there's um there's one called Mutual that's that's for, you know, LDS singles. Um, and there I'm sure there's lots of great people on there, but it's interesting because I would say that like eight out of ten matches that I get. Um, the woman won't even write back. Wow. Like I'll, and it's not like I'm just saying, Hey, I'm like interested in their profile. And I'll say, Hey, like I noticed on your fourth picture, you're doing this. I also like to do this. What's your favorite spot to do that in or, or whatever. So it's like, I'm not just this plain Jane. Hey, hi. And eight out of 10 times, I don't even get a response. And so it's interesting. That just doesn't make sense to me. And so. That's kind of the challenge of this day and age, at least for me. And I don't know, it'd be interesting to to hear a woman's perspective on the dating apps, but it's just, to me, it seems like it's created this kind of window shopping culture where you can just swipe and get all these matches. Maybe it's an ego boost. I'm sure there's a lot that are genuinely looking like I am. But it just, it's easy to hide behind the screen rather than get out face to face and get to know each other and go on like a real date, you know? And so it's just been crazy. That's just, that's kind of where I'm at in a nutshell. Never thought I'd be here, but here I am. Um, Talk about, and it's brave of you just to share um, your story and just that it's not what you thought it would be. I, I think most, men getting home from their missions at 21 is yeah. that right would think you know because you've spent your whole life seeing people come home from missions and get married and maybe it's a little trickier for women because they're not quite in the driver's seat like men are but you would it would be pretty logical to think i'm married at 25 26 yeah done having kids <laughs> at 30 be a grandpa at 50 and <laughs> yep and here you are talk about um, there's a lot of things I'd like to ask you. Talk about you've had opportunities and you may have some regret that maybe you would wish you'd handled the situation better, or pursued somebody a little bit more. How do you get past the regret um, if you have any? I'm putting a little bit of words in your mouth because, and just say I can't go backwards and reprocess those prior relationships. So maybe you do. I just have to move forward. Any thoughts on that for our listeners, Tyler? That's a great question. Cause I, you know, I've obviously I've thought about that. I'm like, oh man, I had, I had an opportunity there probably. And maybe there, and should I have taken it? Did I make the wrong choice not to take it? Um, and really what it comes down to is we're all here trying our best. Right. And so when I look back on potentially missed opportunities, I truly believe that I've been striving as hard as I can to do what is right. And so maybe even though I may have felt like it was a missed opportunity, maybe it wasn't the opportunity that was the the one that I would actually take, right? So when I look back, um, I don't know that I have regret. I just kind of wonder a little bit. 
you know, you kind of question yourself, did I make the right choice? And then you look back on the ones where you were, you were ready to move forward and the other person wasn't, right? So there's both. And so I don't know that I would say I have regret. I think it's just more of like, you kind of question yourself a little bit. But um, one thing that's helped me is to zoom out. I have to zoom out. And I think we, we think in terms of finite things, there's a beginning and end to everything, right? You begin school, you end school. You, you start a new job, you end a job. You go to work day, there's the end of the work day. Um, you start this life, there's the end of this life. But really, you have to zoom out and see the whole picture. And one thing that has really played a critical role in me embracing and finding peace in the situation I'm in um, is a 34-year-old single guy is temple attendance. So I, I go um, once a week, and I've been doing that for a couple months. And the temple is just so great at teaching the plan of salvation. And it's, it just helps you really see things from, from an eternal perspective. Now, it, it stinks being 34 and single, I'm not going to lie. Um, I would rather be married with kids, and that's still my goal. But I have to recognize, too, that the plan of salvation is infinite, it's eternal, and it's not predicated to just this life. The plan of salvation teaches about eternity. And so that has, that's kind of helped me. I know that's a rambling answer to it's your a question, great answer. but that's just where I'm at right now. I'm reminded just listening to you of the conversations we used to have <laughs> seven to 10 years ago and your really mature, thoughtful approach to the gospel. And I love where you validated the regret and the opportunities, but it didn't seem like you dwelt there. And most of your answer was focusing on the future and um, the things you could control. I thought that was a terrific answer. Let's talk about Magna because listeners, when I was called to be a YSA Bishop in Magna, I don't live in Magna. It's on the other side of the tracks. And for those of you that aren't familiar with the the layout of the Salt Lake Valley, but I had never met anybody from Magna, (laughs) but had formed all these opinions about people in Magna. And then was called to be in Magna, and in the great rebuke of the Spirit came into my life as I recognized um, some of God's very finest children lived in Magna and still do live there. Um, and so do you, and this kind of comes, do you put Magna on your dating app profile? Um, and And if you don't, when people learn you're from Magna, has that caused people to pull away? You know, I think it does. I think it just puts it on there automatically. Like it, it shows where you're at, I think, which scares me a little bit, but that's what it does. Um, yeah, I mean, Magna, it's funny because, you know, I attended school at the University of Utah. That's where I graduated. But every time, you know, you did those inter- introductions, hey, where are you from? What's your favorite hobby and what's your um, major? I'd say Magna. And not all the time, but you get people that would kind of look at you like you're from a different planet almost. Because, you know, Magna is on the poorer side. It's not like your Sandys or your Drapers, of course. Um, But growing up was a great experience. There was family. There was community. um, You knew your neighbors. Very um, strong families there. um, And just a sense of belonging. it was like a 
kind of like a small town that's next to a city. And like, it's not as bad as everyone perceives it to be. Um, it's a little rougher than other areas. Um, but I loved growing up there. I love living there right now. Um, do I plan on living there my whole life? I don't think so. I mean, I'll go wherever I go, but, um, it's been a really great place to grow up and I'm, I'm grateful to have grown up there. I love your answer to that. And there was no shame about um, where you grew up. And um, I think one of the things that I advise people that are single is don't do what I did is I made a checklist and I thought the checklist would get me to the woman that I was supposed to marry. And I realized um, that's a flawed philosophy because there's things that the checklist sort of infers that she will have the values and the goals and the ambition and the connection that I want in her. But if I have this checklist, I may miss somebody that is actually who I want to date because of kind of my narrow mindedness of a checklist. And I remember listeners dating a divorced woman. Um, and that was against my checklist because she was divorced and um, she it was a rebuke of the spirit because I just got slapped upside the face because she was everything that I was looking for. We didn't get married, but I threw out the checklist, Tyler. And I just said, I'm going to have a principles-based or values-based approach to dating without having a checklist. And I started at women older than me, younger than me. I had on the checklist, she had to serve a mission. Um, I threw that out. <laughs> And I married somebody that's just terrific, Sheila, that you would know, of course. Um, so I bring up Magna kind of as an example of where I think if I could go back, if I were dating somebody and I knew she was from Magna, I might not date her. <laughs> right. Because of what I'd heard about Magna. Oh, the horror stories, right? And, <laughs> and what a mistake that would have been. Well, and it's interesting too, because I, I, was, I did date a girl um, probably a few years ago where Magna was an issue for her. Like, here's the thing though, is like, I understand you have, you know, um, goals in mind and you have things that are important to you and where you live can be one of those important things. And that's completely understandable. But what I think is interesting is in today's day and age to own a home in Utah is pretty, is, is a win, right? And it doesn't mean that's where you have to stay, but at least you have somewhere to start and you can work towards something else, right? But um, no, and, and you, you kind of touched on a checklist. And I think probably in my mid-20s, I probably had a checklist. But like for me now, like the most important thing to me is someone that just has a testimony, like an imperfect person that has a testimony, right? Wow. And because I, would, I, I love to see... Um, people using the atonement because I use it every day and I'm still, I still grind every day, you know, trying to do the right thing and overcoming my continuous sins and my weaknesses because I am far from perfect. And so when I see someone that's as imperfect, but that, you know, has a true testimony and has felt the, the power of the atonement, like that's obviously number one. Um, I've dated divorced women, uh, women with kids and Depending on the situation, right? I, I, I'm not saying I'm always fully open to it, but depending on the situation, you know, making sure that 
healing has happened and that, you know, there's nothing um, crazy going on that hasn't been resolved. You know, to me, it's not a problem. You just have to, I've just realized though, that sometimes you have to give that person time to heal, to, to spend some time with themselves, to overcome that challenge of being divorced or being a single mom. Um, but in the end, like if, if it's, if they're in a good spot, like I've some of the best women I've dated. And then you say, well, why didn't you marry one of them? Well, it just didn't, just didn't work out just not because there was any crazy red flags or anything. It just hasn't happened. Great answer. Talk about, um, I love your, I love you going to the temple and how you've made that a big part of your life and the consistency of the temple. Talk about how, I love what you said, an imperfect person with a testimony. That was just off the cuff, but that was a golden concept um, because we're all imperfect people. And I think sometimes we want to sometimes figure out whatever we need to figure out and then present ourselves to the dating world once we're perfect. And I think it's good to date when we're not, when we're not perfect. Cause as you point out, we're never perfect. Talk about, um, not feeling enough or this spiral that people can sometimes. And I don't know if you've gone down this road of this is all my fault. Um, right. Uh, God must not be pleased with me because I was in act. This could go anywhere. Because I spent four years inactive before my mission, because I'm not perfect now, because of whatever, we could all go down this road. This is my fault. God is not pleased with me. And just take you into this whirlwind of self-loathing and shame and, and that. Talk about if that's been part of your journey, um, how you've gotten out of that and what advice you give to people that are thinking that way. You know, it's interesting because, you know, when you're you're older and single and in the church, it's, you do start to question, all right, you know, what's wrong with me? You know, even though people joke with me about that and, and I don't take offense to it. I, I joke with them back and it, it can be fun. Um, but yeah, you do go down that. It's easy to go down that road where you're like, man, am I, am I not strong? Like, do I not have big enough muscles? Like I'm not making a million dollars a year. Um, am I not tall enough? you know, is my smile good? My tan, you you know, you just go down all these unrealistic paths and you start to create these false realities that aren't there. And so kind of tying back to the temple, really, truly understanding who you are in the plan of salvation, which is what the temple teaches. The temple just, it, it teaches the plan of salvation and it teaches perspective. And so when I start to kind of go down that road of like, oh man, like something is wrong with me. Here I am 34 and single. I start to realize like nobody else has told me that or is saying that. That's a false reality that I'm creating. And when I listen to the person that matters, you know, Heavenly Father, that's not what he thinks. He knows that I'm just one of his sons down here trying to do my best. And that it's not because of all these things that I've made up in my head. You know, the, there are people that get married at 20. There are people that get married at 70. It's just when it happens, it's going to happen. And if you're striving to do what's right, things will work out in the end, whether it's in this life or next. And so for me, what's helped me, like I said, is temple attendance. It really helps you zoom out and gain perspective of the grand plan. 
and that life on this earth is just a small speck in that great plan. Doesn't, it doesn't mean that it's not hard. I, I mean, it scares me to think that I'm going to be a 60-year-old with no kids, right? Like, that's crazy. But at the same time, I just have to embrace what's in front of me right now. I'm 34. I'm single. Will I get married in a year? Five years? I don't know. Will I get married in the next life? I don't know. What I do know is that there's a plan that encompasses everything and everybody. As long as you're striving to, to do your best, I, I truly believe that things will work out in the end. And it will be hard, but it'll be worth it. That's a terrific answer. Um, I, you consistently go to the big picture of the gospel in answering these questions. And even though there's pain in the moment and you're not dismissing that and you'd like to be married and you'd like to have kids. For sure. You consistently go to the big picture and that brings you peace now. And the temple is a big part of reminding yourself of the big picture so you can find peace now. Talk about, um, had another question in my mind. Um, you have some good language when you talk about dating apps and window shopping culture. <laughs> <laughs> and um, one of the things I've thought a lot about for single people, Tyler, is just this idea that, and I put this in a book that I just, my third book I just released, listeners that probably talked about in a couple prior podcasts, but one of the chapters in there is Better Supporting Single Latter-day Saints. And as I've thought more about this, I want, I would if I could go back and be that YSA bishop again, I think I'd even work harder to help the YSAs feel complete now and not at some future event with financial stability when education's done, when they're married. And that doesn't take eternal progression off the table. It's just I need to feel complete now because of the things you just talked about. Any thoughts on that? Or um, do you feel complete now? Or do you, I mean... Just talk about that from a sing, from your perspective as a single Latter Day Saint. So I think the the headspace that I've been in recently, and, and, and a huge part is the temple attendance, like I had mentioned. Um, it really it, it helps, right? Um, but I, I would the advice I'd give to like the younger people. There's a reason why you're strongly encouraged to date seriously when you get home from your mission. And I realize that now, and I'm not saying as a young person, you go jump into marriage at age 21. That's not what I'm saying, but making it a priority and realizing that life goes on, whether you move on or not. And cause that was my fear, you know, I just wanted to hang out with my friends and like, I didn't want things to change just yet. And before I knew it, they were all married. But I think like, I'm just going to kind of throw out some advice just for the young, the youngsters out there. I say, um, consider dating it. You don't have to be making a ton of money. Like part of the, part of some of the greatest marriages I've seen are when two people get married and they're about as poverty stricken as you can be. And that's where they've built their relationship is in those trenches of tough times and wondering how are we going to buy groceries this week, like in the, in the arena of battle, you know, like, um, that's where some of their foundational love and, um, uh, testimonies have been born. Right. And so I would just say, I'm not saying hop into anything, but date with purpose. 
And that's something I wished I probably would have done more. Um, I would, I would just counsel the youngsters. Not sure if that answered your question, but. Um, talk more, just what's on your mind or I can give you a question. Um, I, have you had conversations with single women my age, just like what their experience has been? And, and, and like, to me, like I, I gave you that stat, man. It's like eight out of 10 women don't even write back. And, and I realized from what I, what I understand is women get a lot more matches than men do. Cause uh, I was, I can't remember the article. I was reading an article where it was like, I don't know, for every one match that a guy has in his inbox or whatever, a woman has like four to five. Hmm. So maybe they're just, maybe women are just overwhelmed with how many matches they have compared to guys. I don't know. Have you had any I experience don't with have that? I any experience. I, I know, at least from our wives, they were, there were more unmarried women than unmarried men. And, but I don't know if that's true of the dating app world. Um, I've probably had a, listeners more of a tender heart for unmarried women because it's at least growing up in my era and I'm in my 60s so I'm 30 years older than you Tyler men were sort of more in the driver's seat of <laughs> of dating and you know women were less likely to ask somebody out or sort of initiate the process that may have changed a little bit so and so much of a woman's worth potentially is defined by motherhood um why a guy can have a career Women can have a career, so I don't want to infer that. But I've had a little more of a tender heart for women right. um, because it feels like it's a little less in their control and it may be part of their identity, a little more wired in as part of Latter-day Saint culture. Now, that's a real general assumption, and I'm not sure that's accurate today. So I just have empathy for both LDS women and LDS men that want to get married but I do recognize some don't follow up, you know? So it's interesting what you say that some don't follow up. Yeah. It's, it's been an interesting space to be in. Cause it like, for me, I'm just like, let's get out from behind the screens. Let's get face to face and converse and um, get to know each other. Then I, I don't like to sit there and chat on an app forever. Right. Um, so that, that's been a tough thing for me to navigate. And, and I just started going to a singles ward, you know, like five months ago. Talk about that. Is that a 31 and under and you're just crashing the doors or is that 31 and over? 31 and over. Yeah, for sure. Um, and so I've, I, I actually go to a ward that I'm not supposed to be in. I'm just going somewhere where I don't know anybody just to try to force myself to make new friends and meet new people. Um, and so it still feels pretty new to me. I don't really have any success stories with it yet. Um, but that's what I've been doing. I'm like, all right, these dating apps are terrible for me. I, I know that there's been some great success for people and that's great, but for me, it's been awful. And so I was like, all right, I, I need to leave my family ward. Cause I was in my family ward. Cause my family ward's so great, great people. But I just felt the need. All right. Like dating apps aren't working for you. You got to find a new, new way to meet people. So, um, I was like, all right, let's just go somewhere where I don't know anybody. I love two things about that. One is you, you just recognize um, somebody else's formula may not be working for you. So the dating app may work for people. Um, being in your home ward may work for people. It feels good there. You love your home ward, but you're willing to consistently try new things and recognize that your path is different. It may not be the dating app. You're, don't completely closing that door, but 
it's interesting you're willing to go to a different ward when you love your current ward so much. And I think that's good, just a general principle of living in the uncomfortable zone a little bit and being willing to just keep trying, even if that can lead to sort of this, you, you may, listeners, this isn't a Tyler, but just your heart may get wounded enough that you just don't want to try anymore. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, maybe For sure. That happened to me probably early, well, still kind of early 30s for me, mid 30s, but you know, around 31, 32, I just was exhausted. And I did check out for a little bit for sure and take a break. And I, that probably was needed. Um, oh, yeah. Because it sounds like you're <laughs> in this position now where your heart's healed enough. There's a lot of wounding in the dating process. And if it extends and if you go through a divorce, some of you are divorced working to get remarried, there can be some pretty um, tremendous wounding in that whole process that young married couples may not ever experience. I mean, our youngest married his high school sweetheart and, you know, they've just known each other and been in love with each other since junior high. So there's not much woundedness there from prior relationships. (laughs) Um, But why did you just, just go talk more about why you decided to go this different YSA word? You know, I had been fighting it for a while, actually, because I loved my family ward. I had a calling that I liked. Sunday school. Sunday school president. And it was just, it, I really enjoyed it. Loved the, the family atmosphere there. But I just had this feeling like I just needed to, I guess, swallow my pride and go to a mid-singles ward because I never thought I'd be in a mid-singles ward ever. That wasn't part of the plan, right? Um, and so I was just like, all right, like swallow your pride and, and get out there. Like you, you know, you say you want to be married. Well, walk the walk, then go somewhere where you don't know anybody. And, and it's going to cause you to have to work harder and, um, really put yourself out there. Um, cause that's something I would never really do. I, I would just go to the closest singles ward cause it's easy and you might know some people. And then I just said, you know what? Nope. Let's mix it up go somewhere where you don't know anybody. And so that's why I decided to do that. But it was just, it was a feeling of like, all right, like I love my family ward, but let's make sure that I'm doing everything that I can to, to, you know, make sure I get married and can start an eternal family. I love you just following your impressions and be willing to step in the potential pain of just going somewhere that's not as comfortable. (laughs) Talk about your homeward. It sounds like your homeward's a positive experience for you. And they haven't, yeah. they haven't seen you as kind of a second-class citizen as this 34-year-old unmarried guy. I'm putting words into your mouth. They've said, you're just a regular member of the ward who's qualified to serve in any way that a married man your age is. And so let's put you to work. Is, is that what you felt in your ward? Yeah. My, so uh, I and bought, you know that ward. I know it? that ward. My, so I bought my grandparents' house back in 2017 after my grandma passed away. Great investment. I'll bet and, that oh, <laughs> it's, it's scary to think that I had the thought, oh, maybe I should wait for housing to go down. <laughs> Boy, am I glad I didn't, I didn't do that. And even in Magna, it's expensive, right? But um, so I knew a lot of the people from that ward because my grandparents... And so when I went there and, you know, they, they were like, oh yeah, Tyler, we remember you. A lot of them knew me as Spencer and Reva's grandson. And oh, you bought their house. That's so cool. You kept it in the family. And, you know, they just embraced me for who I was. But yeah, young, single, 
or I guess a mid single adult. And no, it was never, never, I never felt judged or anything. I've never felt that way in a family ward in Magna before. Even my parents' ward, when I came back from an activity, like nothing but open arms and love and support. So um, I think it was, I love that ward so much because a lot of the people know my grandparents and, and loved them. And it's just kind of cool to rub shoulders with those that knew me since I was in diapers. So just great, great community. Great, great. Um, the spirit and like the love of Christ in that ward is very strong. So it was hard to leave. It's hard to leave. <laughs> I love that's a success story here. And there's some backstory because you're connected to the ward, but I, I love that your family ward just got you involved. And I would hope we always do that. And no one feels like I'm putting words into that. No one's inferred, but some may feel like second class citizens or be treated like second class citizens in a quote unquote married ward or family ward as a single person. And Elder Ballard never gong have talked about in recent conference talks that more than half of the adult population in the church is unmarried and likely to increase. So you're in the majority, Tyler. You probably don't like being in the majority in this case. <laughs> <laughs> you're right, I don't. <laughs> but I think it causes look inward and say, you know, what can we do to help um, single Latter-day Saints feel whole now, feel like their contributions to build Zion don't come later once they're married and they're kind of can do it the traditional way as a married couple, but what can Tyler do now? And in a, obviously in a YSA ward, we do that because everybody's single, but in a married ward, it may take more thought and just going a little slow and thinking could, I'm sure seeing a lot more of this where, you know, single people are serving. We've had, you know, that in the general release society presidency. And I think we'll continue um, to see that you can be a, you couldn't be a temple worker at one point 10 years ago, Tyler, if you were a single man. I don't know if you knew that policy existed about five or eight years ago. And I didn't. They ended that policy. And of course, you can serve as a temple worker, whether you're single or married. And it was never a doctrinal thing. It was just a policy. And so I think as we're becoming a more Zion-like church, we're thinking of what we can do to help everybody feel valued, included, and needed. I'll read a little bit from this chapter six of my new book, and it's just a little bit of my story. It's a little different than Tyler's, but um, when I returned home from my mission service, I was ready for the next chapter of life, which including, including finding an eternal pension and get married. In my final interview, my mission president encouraged me to make finding my eternal companion my number one priority. He also advised me that I not create a set time frame, which might make marriage a forced decision driven by a self-imposed deadline or culture expectations, which may not align with Heavenly Father's plan. Without a deadline, he gave me space to find her. In my late 20s, I was at peace with my efforts to find a wife. I was doing my best and felt no condemnation from my heavenly parents. However, church culture was not at peace with me. I felt defined not by the good things in my life, education, employment, and church service, but being single. I felt like my marital status became my identity within Latter-day Saint culture and to people around me. Further, these unmixed, unmet expectations caused me to look inward in an unproductive and unhealthy way. So, you know, that's my era kind of growing up in my late 20s. And I think you've had a little more 
sort of self-confidence not to look as inward as much and and just be a little more owning your story. And I was maybe a little more driven by cultural expectations. And maybe our culture's improved since I was in my late 20s and you were. Uh, but it comes back to kind of the heart of that chapter of this book is just what Tyler's been sharing with us is, is go to the 40,000 foot level, which the temple can take you to and find peace in your story right now, even if your story's not what you thought it would be. More thoughts on that, um, or I've got a question for you. Shoot. <laughs> um, talk to your night. You flew home from New Mexico, unless you drove home. I assume you took a short flight. No, actually, my dad came dad and picked came me and up. You. Yeah, and we so had a road trip on the way home. Okay, well, I can't ask it from an airplane perspective, but just talk to your 21-year-old self who had expectations to be married at 25. What would you say to your younger self or anybody just that their their reality of their life is different than what they hoped it would be in their earlier years? I would probably just say keep keep the perspective um, of the plan of salvation, like the full plan. Because when you get home, you know, it's an interesting shift. You go from being a missionary, just constantly serving others, and then you come home and it's me, me, me. I've got to get a job. I've got to get uh, a degree. I've got to do this. It's it's turns to I. And so I would just say, not that I didn't or not that a lot of returned missionaries don't, but just try to keep that, that um, service mindset uh, close to you and act on it. Um, and kind of to what your mission president told you, make dating a priority. Don't make yeah, careers are important, you know, and you want to be financially as stable as you can, but you will figure it out. I've, I've just seen so many couples getting, you know, even young couples that get married and you're like, how am I, how are we supposed to do this? And it always works out if you're doing your best to do what's right. And so that's what I would say to myself. I would just say, keep perspective and date with purpose. and um if things don't go according to plan, don't mull over it too much, but embrace it for what it is. I love that answer. Um, I'm going to share some stories from our YSA experience together that Tyler's in the middle of. doesn't necessarily relate to being single, so we're going on a tangent here, but just faith-promoting stories that I love to share on the podcast. And it's a treat to have somebody from the YSA ward here. But one day you walked into church with your cousin, Greg Peace. And um, you introduced me to Greg. And um, he was not active in the church, um, didn't serve a mission. This was after his mission when he came back. And um, tell our listeners a little about Greg and what's become of his life. And, um, but Listeners, you ought to know that Tyler Shaw is the reason Greg Act Peace is active in the church, or a big reason, and um, has a great job and has been able to work through complicated personal things. And just talk a little bit about Greg Peace. Oh man, he's you know he's probably he's really kind of become my best friend, really. Um, but yeah, uh, God, it was. It would have been 2014 or 2015, I think, somewhere in there. You know, he actually 
lived with me at my parents' house um, when I still lived with my parents because um, he was in between moving and um, his dad was selling the house that he lived in. So. That's right. Um, but no, he, Greg's always had one of the most like pure hearts, like integrity, like honesty, you know, like just wanting to do the right thing and, and aware of other people's feelings and stuff. And so I just remember he, when he lived with us, he wasn't active and he was changing his life for the better. And, um, really Bishop, all I did was I just said, Hey, do you want to come to church? Oh, you did. And he just said, you know, I, I think I will. I'm just not ready right now. And so, I mean, he, he lived with me for like probably a month and then he lived next door at my cousin's house. Yeah. I lived next door to my cousins, um, for a time. And I just kept inviting him. And then one day he came to church and then from there, you know, he continued to progress in the church with, you know, the priesthood and everything. And, um, cause you know, he had been inactive since we were in like junior high and, um, with your help, Bishop, uh, the guidance you gave and the love and support and just a simple invite. And, you know, now he, you know, he got the Melchizedek priesthood. He went through the temple. Um, he's, uh, he works for the church. Um, he's married in the temple now to an awesome girl and they have a, a one-year-old son and yeah, they're happily sealed and just, yeah, he's just, he's just a, a miracle. Like just the, the, just what he went through and I don't want to get into too much of what he went through, but just, it took real like discipline, courage and fight to get where he's at now. So it's, it's, it's remarkable to see what he's done. It is remarkable and um, what the gospel can do to change lives. And I loved how you talked about Greg just being this, this, the core of Greg has always been good. Oh, for sure. And sometimes people that aren't active in the church, um, the core of them is still really good. Sometimes they don't know how to come back and they want to. And I love that you're just consistent invitations. It doesn't sound like it was an ultimatum. It was just out of love. One of the most, and this is your story to tell as much as mine, but we came to give, you know, um, Greg to be ordained an elder, I believe, and we came to the home you now own. Yep. And your grandfather was in, was bedridden. And he wanted, I think we came to the home so he could be part of the blessing. Yep. The ordination. And we had hoped he'd get to a chair in the front room. So he could be in the circle, but tell our listeners just what we ended up doing. Do you remember what happened? We actually, we brought him in to the family room, right? We know we went to the bedroom. Or no, we went, yeah, we went to the bedroom because he was in bed and he was still able to participate. We just had Greg sit next to the bed. That's right. That's right. So we all, we pulled all the chairs out of the bedroom and made a circle around your grandfather's bed. Tell our our listeners your grandfather's name. Uh, Spencer Ames. So Spencer Ames, your grandfather, Greg's grandfather's, yeah. and, I, and participate in the ordination of his grandson. Yep. I remember the little bedroom in there in the corner. Yeah. We all huddled around in there and Greg sat in a chair and uh, my grandpa was just laying in bed and he was able to put his, his hands over his head and we were, we were able to give him the priesthood. So, And I think your grandfather died really shortly after that, if I remember. Yeah. It was, I think it was probably two or three weeks later is when he passed. And that's the home you live in. So, um, Greg Peace, if you're listening, um, credit to you. And it gives courage for others, the other Greg Pieces out there that are 
I have a deep testimony of the church, but wonder if they're and ever sort of put their just get back and wonder if God loves them or wonder if they'll be accepted. Greg didn't have a suit when he came to church the first time. Nope. <laughs> um, that may have been a little uncomfortable for Greg, <laughs> um, but he was willing to do that. And so, you know, I, I just love the story of Greg coming back. How does it feel? This I think you can handle this question. Greg sort of, I'm not, I'm going to use this language that I shouldn't use. He's past you now, Tyler. He's married <laughs> and as a kid. Now, I wouldn't say that if Tyler weren't my good friend because I don't want to create a visual that now Greg is ahead of Tyler and Tyler's fallen behind. But do you ever go down the road where, wait a second, this isn't fair? Or what did, what did Greg do that I didn't do? Well, you know, it's interesting you bring that up because <laughs> Greg, Greg, like we kind of thought we were just going to live in that house forever because at that point we were like, you know, we're late 20s, you know, we're approaching 30. And, you know, we were just like, oh, hope might be lost here, you know, as, as a joke. And he was like, this just came out of nowhere. You know, I wasn't expecting it. And, you know, and so as far as him being ahead of me, he kind of is in this, in the sense of like progressing in the plan of salvation. Not that, not that I won't, but you're right. And, and it goes back to when I, I was telling you, like, pretty soon all my friends and, you know, and I, I consider Greg, you know, my best friend almost, you know, and he, you know, he's, he's moved on, married, has a kid. And so, yeah, it's interesting because Greg, I think Greg was like, I always pictured that you would get married before me and I would be kind of hanging around, you know? And so it's kind of, it's just fun. It's funny to, to think about, but, uh, it, it's good though. That's um, I love the way you said it just kind of came out of the blue. You yeah. Know? And I think that's the way this sometimes happens for people is they just stay in the game enough that God's plan kicks in and it kind of comes out of the blue. Um, I remember being at Greg and his wife's reception. I can't remember if I, before they were married in the temple, if I officiated their wedding. I can't remember if I did or it was somebody else's. I'm getting too old, but um, just a great couple. Um, then you helped baptize our friend Nathaniel Peacock. Um, and we ought to give a shout out to Trey Smith, um, one of your very best friends. Talk, tell our listeners what he's doing professionally. Oh, Trey, he's um, he's a coach at our alma mater, Cypress High School. Um, Trey and I grew up playing sports as kids. And then um, as I hit high school, I, I lost interest a little bit and he stuck with it. But no, Trey's, he's doing great things for... Magna and Cyprus. He's the head basketball coach at Cyprus. And uh, the last, just this last year, um, they made it to the semifinals and almost made it to state. And, and more importantly, um, he's just teaching these young kids how to be men. And, and yeah, he, he's, he loves basketball. He's, he's a fantastic coach. But more importantly, I think he's teaching him about life, responsibility, accountability, um, and how to be a good person. So, yeah. Trey's awesome. And um, one of the things I used to love to do, I'm reminiscing now, is often we'd go to Cypress High and watch basketball games before or after church meetings and on the evenings. Um, maybe it was Trey we kept watching or I was just got connected to Cut Cypress High School and and that community. It's really interesting because I where I grew up in Cottonwood High School, it's it's a commuter high school. It's right in the middle of the valley. Yeah. And Cyprus was very different. It was this community where everybody went to the same high school and knew each other. And 
this is back to my repentance of what I thought Magna was in my mind without ever talking to anybody Magna. I call that the trap of unearned opinions. It's easy for me to develop opinions about 34-year-old unmarried men. Um, and somebody who walks into church like Greg, not in church clothes or my impressions about Magna, that's part of the really the purpose of this podcast is hear from voices that we don't traditionally hear from so we can better support and love and help each other. But I love your community. I would live there. Um, and I met people out of my normal circle of influence, and it helped me to be a better person. Um, but there were times where I realized I needed to grow in ways of understanding. Trey came on the podcast listeners as a black Latter-day Saint maybe 500 episodes ago, and I learned things listening to him, what it's like to be a black Latter-day Saint, and sometimes how we can better support black Latter-day Saints. But he is a terrific head coach, as you mentioned, and yeah. is changing lives and has really turned a program around and um, just a tremendous man and a wonderful wife and family. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't have a lot more questions for you. Do you have more thoughts you'd like to share? You know, probably just to my fellow mid-single heathens out there, <laughs> um, I would probably just say the thing that's helped me the most right now is consistent temple attendance. And, you know, I went a while without temple attendance and I felt it. And now that I'm committing and and I'm going once a week, maybe you go twice a week, maybe you go once a month, maybe it's every other week, but just some kind of consistency to get back to the temple and learn the plan that matters and gain perspective um, has really helped me as an older single person in the church to just zoom out and be able to look at the grand plan and I'm not saying it's easy. It stinks. You know, you holidays come around and yeah, you're with family, but how cool would it be to have some little rug rug rats running around the Christmas tree asking if they can open their presents up. Right. But, um, no, just temple attendance. If you're single in early thirties, mid thirties, late forties, whatever it is, get to the temple. And, and I can promise you that you'll find some peace and solace there. I love the Temple listeners, and I love where Tyler continues to take us there. It's the same thing President Nelson's inviting us to do, is to make the Temple a bigger part of our lives. And the church is obviously making temples more accessible. The beautiful temple being built in Taylorsville near our home. Um, So there's more temples going up worldwide. But I love the two lines I wrote down. You just said, it gets me focused on the plan that matters. And there's a lot of plans out there that really don't matter. Um, Cable news can fill you with that. Other people can fill you with that. And and that's good to be informed. But the plan that matters is the gospel plan. And the temple attendance helps us remind us that. And then you keep going back to this perspective is it keeps me, gains perspective is the line you used. Yep. And I think that's really thoughtful because it is, you go to the temple and you do sort of get the perspective. Your patriarchal blessing give you the big perspective scriptures, but I love the way you talk about going to the temple. And I think it's a really, I'm aware, listeners, that we lose a lot of people to not being active in the church in your time frame. I don't know if we lose more people that are single versus married people. I don't know that factually, but I just know your age group. Um, we lose some of them. And some of that may be culturally where we could be a little more kinder, but 
it's really um, following the invitations that Tyler said and the formula that Tyler said is your life has turned out a little different than you thought it would. Yeah. Um, but you go back to what you know to manage that. Can I just say one more thing? Yes. So one thing too, and it, it, it warns me about this in my patriarchal blessing. I, I think the thing that kept me away from the temple the most is not feeling worthy. And that, and, and every time I would not feel worthy, I'd go to my bishop and say, all right, here's what I'm struggling with. And they're like, um, yeah, you should be in the temple. You're not unworthy. And so again, perspective, the temple is probably one of the best places you can go to repent and ask for strength and, and ask for forgiveness. So if you're out there and you're struggling with things and you just don't feel good enough or worthy enough, I can promise you in most cases, because there are some cases where maybe that's true, but in most cases, I would say it's not true. And I would say, if anything, that's more of a reason to go. Because once you get to the temple, you gain another level of understanding, perspective, and strength that Satan doesn't want you to have. And so for me, um, I learned that the times that I may have not felt worthy to go into the temple are the times that I should have been there the most. And so that's really helped me is to understand the temple is not for perfect people. It's for people as imperfect and rough around the edges as I am to go there to ask for forgiveness, gain strength and, and uh, feel peace. I love that. Um, thanks for sharing that part. And I remember one night after all the YSAs left, I just pulled up a chair and had a conversation with Heavenly Father about how good the YSAs were, but they were struggling at times with worthiness stuff. And Heavenly Father just did what you kind of said. He said, well, I flooded the earth with temples to help them. And um, I really agree with Tyler. We don't need to be perfect to go to the temple. Strive is a word I really like. We're doing our best. We're not comparing ourselves to others. Um, it's a yardstick within ourselves. Um, I think Satan's greatest tool is to try to separate us from the love of God because we're not perfect and then isolate us in shame. And God must be disappointed in a manifestation of that is I'm not married, married or whatever. And I think we do better when we follow the formula that Tyler's inviting us to do. And that involves consistent temple attendance and knowing that we're not perfect, but knowing just like that conversation I've had at night where I felt Heavenly Father's personal revelation saying, the YSA is okay. And one of the things I'm doing is helping them by flooding the earth with temples and the importance of temple attendance. So if you're not attending the temple. I think we'd invite you to consider attending the temple and feel you're complete now. Um, that doesn't take personal progress off the table, but I think Satan tries to make you feel like you're not whole because you're not fitting the norm or you're not married, you don't have kids. And Tyler, I think, has some pretty good self-confidence, not overconfidence, but just self-confidence, but some less confident might then look completely inward in an unhealthy and unproductive way. I did that a little bit, as I mentioned in the book, because I thought, well, something's obviously wrong with me. And then you start going down the road, you find stuff that's wrong with you. That if you can't pull out of that, it's just not healthy. So I love that last section. Um, I think you gave me a blessing one day. I think um, bishops sometimes need priesthood blessings. And maybe two or three times I felt impressed 
to get a blessing from a YSA. And you were one of those YSAs that gave me a really thoughtful blessing. And I was grateful I acted on the spirit because in some ways I'm the bishop, the spiritual leader of the ward. But I felt at times I needed um, the priesthood that a YSA held to bless me. And you were that YSA. And I share that publicly just to kind of, it was to just invite us to think outside the dots sometimes. There's nothing in the handbook that says you were 27 then, can't give your 58-year-old bishop a blessing. And you did a great job. And so I think it's just part of thinking out the dots a little bit and, and being open to the spirit that may take us on an impression that's a little, un, I don't want to say unusual, but just a little outside the dots and act on those impressions to bless the lives of others. Anything else that comes to your mind, Tyler? No, I was just, I was honored to be in the ward when you were bishop and you helped so many people and you still continue to help people, especially with your books and your podcast and your message of love, listen, and learn. So that's what I'm trying to do is, is stand for truth with love. I'm trying to find that, strike that balance right now. And I, um, just trying my best, but no, Bishop, it's, I, it's, I'm, I'm honored to call you as a friend. Well, I have, thanks, Tyler. You have really good lines. You just like stand for truth with love. These are unrehearsed, really great lines. It's one of your gifts. So Tyler Shaw, thanks for being on the podcast. Listeners will link in the show notes to his Instagram account if you want to reach out. And I think it, it's an invitation for all of us to not make assumptions about unmarried Latter-day Saints, to think there's some backstory that is in a negative nature that explains why they're unmarried. And we quickly maybe dismiss unmarried, especially in their 30s. And maybe there's an uncomfortable chapter or two, like maybe Tyler had gone through a divorce. He hasn't. He has been inactive. But let's don't even assume those backstories that aren't our best moments are not necessarily unpleasing to God and disqualify them from being a partner. Because often those harder times in our life bring the Christ-like attributes into our life that make us a better partner and a better spouse. That's one of the things I would say to my younger self is look at people that have gone through difficult things um, that don't quite fit the checks box like a couple that I've mentioned and don't dismiss them from potentially being your eternal companion. Um, because those very things may make them have more of the spiritual gifts and the empathy and the understanding. And you got to parent kids one day and those experiences and that sort of harder experience may give them more insight to help your kids um, navigate the realities of their life because you've had some of that in your life. So that's my closing thought. Um, Richard, I'm going to call myself Bishop now. <laughs> uh, Bishop Osler and Tyler Shock signing off on another episode of Listen, Learn and Love. Mm-hmm.